This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, programming this show is a lot of fun. Well, sometimes it's, uh, well, uh, let's say, uh, a bit challenging, huh? For instance, I've been trying to offer up some different shows that have never been featured on Theater of the Mind. Recently, I included a show featuring Bob and Ray, Bob Elliott and Ray Golding, who were major stars on radio from 1946 onward. They did all the voices of their, quote, guests, while admittedly their humor is absolutely off the wall. I personally love the work. Although, I must admit, I got a couple of completely opposite reviews. One listener, Jane by name, wrote that the program was just weird. (laughs) And while Susan wrote, and I quote, I tuned in Monday night not knowing which shows were airing at precisely 10 o'clock, and while I was brushing my teeth, when I heard your introduction to Bob and Ray, I didn't dare rinse or spit lest I miss a second of the episode. So I spent the next 30 minutes with a mouthful of toothpaste foam, and when I laughed, it was a tad messy. I had little trouble hearing the first 15 minutes, by, but by the second segment, it was a real treat. And Susan goes on to say uh, and suggest we try Mr. and Mrs. North, which I will search out. Uh, just a note of explanation, I found longer episodes of Bob and Ray, so hopefully the scratchiness will not be a problem. So let's give the boys another kick at the cat with an episode that was first aired September 9th of 
humor in her voice. I she said doubt that. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Well, it is. we are in a Hollywood mood today, I suppose. Yes. I'm just in from Hollywood, Bob, where I've just made several new pictures. The fly-in, did you? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I came across about, about the chief. Tell us about some... Me bongo! <laughs> Me... These new pictures of yours, what, uh, what's in the making? What are we... Well, Bob, I, uh, we just did uh, what, what you might call the story of food. And, oh, uh, that's that new Technicolor production. I yeah, so Grub. Grub, yeah. <laughs> A beautiful picture. Fat Street. We, we, trace, we trace food from its uh, very beginning right up to the present day. You didn't right. happen to bring along any uh, uh, transcribed trailers that will be used in uh, connection with the preview of this film, did you? I don't. I believe I did. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Wait a second. The following is transcribed. Rob, you laugh. Don't cry. You wish you stayed at home. The story of Rob. The story of food from the Western Plains. See Hanson Humphrey Goldstein. See Malula Mohead. to Murphy's Open Air Theater, Back Pasture, New Hampshire. <laughs> and now, Sting Crosby sings. Thank no, he doesn't. I'd love to sing first. No, I won't sing. You're not singing today. I understand you you sung on Saturday. Yes, I, I did. I wasn't able to hear the program. Oh, great. <laughs> I had a lot of requests. A lot of nice comments about it. Today. Did you really? Nice. Yeah. That's a nice bright day to start the week off. This on. is the hottest September 15th, or will be on record. Yes, so? By the time the sun sets tonight... Just think, we will have set another record. It will be the hottest September 13th in recorded history. See, we're really breaking it. Old-timers say, hottest they can recall. Mm-hmm. We'll be having pictures of kids at Revere Beach lost, with yeah. no clothes on, except the police hat. Hard and mass think. exodus to escape heat. Yeah. Old-timers say, uh, Weatherman sees relief in sight. How I suppose. We'll have some cool weather before long. Cool Canadian air. And, uh... Canadian ace air. Right all. And I think we should uh, do something about this weather picture, maybe drop down to the weather bureau. Why don't we drop in there and take a look at some of these seismographs and Bredangeritz's right. that they have down there. Look. That's terribly... No, this is transition music. The that is transition music. Well, that's wind. Thunder. We better mention what the program. Hold up, steady. He must have a friend listening who he's auditioning for. Are you auditioning for something today, Ken? Mm-hmm. For wind effects. This is the new musical weatherman show. Oh, no, that's Kenneth Wilson. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> well, here we are at the weather bureau. Welcome. Boy, look at that over there, hey. Uh, do you have any questions? Well, me at the weather bureau. What is this intricate-looking instrument here? That's my watch. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, this thing over here with the fan on the end of it. Oh, that's how we judge the humidity in the air. You mean the velocity? If that fan melts down, it's pretty humid, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah? We check it. What are your prospects for weather for the next couple of days? We got a hurry? Well, uh, we'll have a good hot day today. Uh, we'll have a little relief when the sun comes down. There'll be a bright northerly wind blow up. There'll be some offshore winds blowing on the shore. And tomorrow we expect a little relief. How about that in, in the, the form of... Uh, Precipitation. How about the cranberry box? That's right. What? Cranberry box. 
The cranberry bogs, uh, they'll, they'll pretty generally have the same kind of weather we'll have up here. That's all? Yeah, don't worry about any frost or nothing. I'm not worried about it a bit. Well, what you ask for, you know what I mean? Well, just happen to be here. Now, this little thing here is how we can determine tremors. Go all over the earth. Determine what? Tremors. Tremors? Like if the earth rumbles, it uh, makes a little mark on this here gadget. Hey, that's pretty good. Hey, look, it's rumbling now, I guess, because yeah, it's yeah. making a lot of marks here. Well, it must be an earthquake. Uh, let me see. I would say it's well, about 4,000 it miles south of the South Pole. Wow. Uh, you think we should not... worry about it? Not, a, not in your life. Now, it's about 4,000 miles northeast of the uh, Fiji's. Wow, okay, that. Uh, that's pretty good. Well, you, can, you can't stick me on anything like that. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. How about flying weather? Will I have my VFR today? Well, uh, yes. Uh, I'd like to say that it'll be uh, VFR today. However, you can make only one final landing. You can go up as many times as you want, but you just come down, down once. once. Okay, well, thanks anyway. Wilco. Roger. Over. Out. Right. Well, I'd love to have Ken Wilson play some music and the Phil Green will play along all of that. I don't think they will because they're not speaking to each other again today. Oh, is that so? What's the matter with them now? Well... Green wanted his microphone closer to the piano so they couldn't hear it so much organ. And, uh, well, that handball. Wilson <laughs> didn't quite go for the idea. I don't know. I, I saw Bill in here just before the program went on, and I, I don't know whether he moved the microphones or not. But, well, how uh, do you like that? I think we'll hear both instruments. Let's, let's uh, try and... Wait a minute. Just a moment, Mr. Wilson. Yeah, don't get don't anxious. Don't be so eager. Relax. I mean, that's the first thing you musicians should learn. You will always play better if you are completely relaxed and at ease. Don't fall off. Uh, I mean, if you're up on your toes, you can hardly play the, the organ. So I suggest relax. Now, what is your first number, Sit John? back. Remember that we're all... We're all your song friends. again, you're playing. <laughs> we're all your friends here, and, and don't you mind... my song. Well, I'm sorry about that. Nothing I can do about it at this late date. All right, here they are. Are you completely relaxed? Don't you mind... <laughs>
the end of it, isn't it? That was my song. Now, wait. Right. Oh, wait a minute, Ken. <laughs> what are you wearing? Snowshoes today? <laughs> Let's try that again. Left hopper. You know, Frank, that he plays a yard and there's these little wooden stakes that run across there, and he hits awful things with them when he hits them right. But when he has on snowshoes like that, you just heard what happened. Kind of difficult for him. All right. That's good. Now, The Life and Loves of Linda Lovely, written for radio by E. Carrington Lump. Today, we find Linda and David in a new setting, high up in the grandstands at Wonderland Revere. They sit expectantly waiting for the first race. Well, excuse me, announcer. Uh, I think you better inform the listeners first mm-hmm. that they won't see any race. Oh. Uh, Wonderland closed Saturday night for the I season. can't change the copy. I'm sorry. That's well, can we make it the West Peabody Speedway, for goodness sake? I'm sorry. Uh, it says... Something will be going on there. I it mean. says Wonderland Revere. That's what Lump wrote. I can't change it. Well, all right. So, uh, Sitting high up in the stands, expectantly waiting for the first race to run at Wonderland, we see Linda and David, and we hear Linda speak. What is it? Here we are waiting anxiously for Wilbur for Wonderland. Yes, I, I don't think we'll have to wait much longer. Why, David? I think the first race is just about to be run. Do you, my darling? I, I have a schedule here. Have you, sweetheart? That's the nicest thing I ever said to you. <laughs> the schedule says first race, 7.45. Yes, my sweet, we're here early, too. We are. It's such good feet. Only 1.15. <laughs> I, I wonder who will win the first race. Uh-huh. I say, I wonder who will win. Oh, David, I don't know who will win the first race. I wonder who will win it. The first race, David. Oh, let's get out of here. All right. Now, let's just that first scene there. Then we have to... We go cross town. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, cross town in an expensive penthouse-type apartment, the two detectives talk excitedly of the crime about to be committed. Hey, Jane. Yes, Lucille. Uh, you think of me a crime committed that we can talk excitedly about? Uh, supposed to be a crime committed very shortly within the next 24 hours. We'll probably talk excitedly about it when it happens. I should imagine we'll probably solve it. Will be a murder or a holdup, a daring holdup? Well, the seal, I don't know. Well, I don't know, Jane, either. I don't know from nothing. If uh, here in this expensive penthouse department is smoking these 25 cents cigars. Doesn't add up to me. Doesn't add up to me. I think we ought to find the criminal. Well, who do you suggest we go ask? You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. We Got any ideas? Could, could, could you know? get out of Charlie's Tavern, I suppose. And... Yeah, let's get out of here and have some of this grand spaghetti. Yeah. Hi, gents. Well, it be. Hey, spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti for two. You ain't heard about no murders or nothing, have you? Oh, but I'm expecting to hear you two guys talk excitedly about a murder probably to be committed in the next 24 hours or so. Well, that's what we're planning. See, uh, yeah, he and I are a couple of private eyes, you know a what I mean? A couple of private eyes. And if anything happens like a crime or something, we'll talk, like excitedly crime, about it. we'll talk excitedly about it. Something will yeah, happen. I can see what you mean. Something will happen probably in about 24 hours. probably happen in 24 hours. Well, look, uh, get us that spaghetti, will you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, hey, um, hey, you. Uh, well, well, that's a little big, even platefuls of spaghetti. I thought this was a cooked order, you know? Yeah, I thought it was a cooked order. We're going to have a crime. It is cooked order. We're going to have a crime. You'll probably have a crime, won't you? Yeah. And maybe that's a crime we're supposed to talk excitedly about, Lucille. What? The one that we're going to commit. Maybe let's talk excitedly about it. Oh, boy. Boy, this great. We're going to shoot this fellow, you know? Real exciting. Yeah. 
Hope we uh, find out at first. Uh, eat the spaghetti first. All right, go ahead. Uh, mighty tasty. You're not eating that. Oh, that's your you necktie I got on there. I say, you're not eating that rice. Oh, I guess I ain't. It's okay. It's a cheap tie. If it yeah. tastes good, eat it. Yeah. Let me try some spaghetti on it. How's the spaghetti, gentlemen? Tastes like it's got a tie on it. Tastes like neckties. <laughs> well, that's what it's supposed to taste like, I suppose. Excuse me. Yes. You two fellows, uh, detectives. We're both detectives. Follow me. I got a crime you can talk excitedly about. When's it going to be committed? About 24 hours. You better go, gents. This may be the big break you've been looking for. Thanks. The spaghetti was good, Ed. Spaghetti was fine, and so was the necktie. So All right. right. Oh, meanwhile. Uncle Jim, Ned, Billy, Grace, and the, th- uh, what is it, the 333rd Infantry? Field artillery. Are marching through deep, dark, dank Africa. As we look in on them now, no one is speaking. So we return to San Francisco in the little waterfront hideout of Joe. Just the other day, I heard a fellow say... How did that get in? Give me mission. No, why? Supposed to go 115? No, it's supposed to go 125, but I'm giving it up. Jumping the gun a little bit. Pardon while I ray. I like that, don't you? That's a wonderful song. That was made into a popular song, wasn't it? Yeah. What was the name of that popular? Prince George Hotel. No. It was. No, but I was another EP. Same one. They stole it. You want a better name? Think. No, it's two different songs. You're confusing. What was the song about the Prince, the Prince George? Or something like that. And the Prince George? That doesn't even rhyme. No, you're wrong. Well, we just put a You want to stop off at the Prince George Hotel and tell them the old salt sent you. That's right. They'll be happy to. No. Uh, are we going to sing a song today? We no, they song. played my one song that I wanted to Why sing. don't we have a gay, happy community sing? Why don't uh, we sing uh, Through the Viaducts? Oh, all right. Well, we don't have the words to that, though. Well, why don't we sing I mean, our, Why don't we go into our, our second act? We had a phone call this morning requesting that we go into our second act about Follow Me. Well, for the Salome. Okay. Mr. Wilson is always only too glad to do one of these. You'll remember, friends, sitting here in box 84, the first two acts didn't prove to be very much. The curtain broke down, and the second one, the cast went out on strike, I believe. Uh, is that right? Unfortunately, the organist stayed on. The organist is still here. The uh, prima donna... Uh, I know. I do. Is all set to uh, give out with the aria from uh, Act 3, Scene 1. Uh, she's tuning up now. You can put the rose in the garden. Probably here. She is standing at stage left, which is her in the right. Garden. Her voice, her voice re-echoes with... <laughs> and she walks in and amongst the garden. This morning, bright and early, I plucked the flower in the garden. The translation of this phrase is that she plucked a flower in her garden this morning, bright and early. Then she seems to make a mistake. She seems rather embarrassed. Standing there, after the she plucked the garden, the organist is excuses herself and goes back into the sun. It's woman underwear. It's too hot for this thing. The organist picks the cue right up, though, and she continues with the second verse. Three members of the audience walk out. In the garden. And more will follow, no doubt. The garden. 
to be stuck for Behind the hedge. Well, we've learned at least where the garden is. It's behind the hedge. Um, Hold up, Paul's Take to the hills. Uh-oh, something spot. seems to have gone wrong there. The cast is rapidly dispersing, leaving the stage. The prima donna doesn't seem to have seen the... Put the rose between my teeth. She has put the rose between her teeth. She's standing there and seems to be in some sort of trouble. <laughs> She's trying to sing, obviously, but I don't think that uh, the organist seems to have lost his place in the music, too. I think we ought to discontinue this act. Oh, there goes the music falling all over the floor. And now he's bending over to pick it up. We're running into all sorts of trouble. I think we'd better just let the curtain fall. Right off. Let it fall. We can. Well, somebody caught it. It didn't fall away. Could you afford that, Ken? Well, that takes more power to make one of those noises. Just the other day, I heard a fellow say... Give me mission bell wine because... Mission Bell is fine. Well, pardon while I rave about the money that I save. My Mission Bell wine, before Mission Bell cries. Drink it. That's the second chorus. And yet I say, give me Mission Bell wine. I wonder if we're as good as the... Uh, no, we're not. Here are a couple of professionals. Three of them, probably. It sounds like musical back. Four. I mean, is it a fun show or is that what it is? Packed with fun. 
And laughs and mirth and everything. Laugh a minute. Uh-huh. And what time should I tune in for that? Two o'clock today. Uh-huh. Okay. But not every day. I'd suggest you consult your local newspaper. Speaking of uh, baseball and all, this is the big week for baseball. Good this week. is the next week. And I'd like to go out on the limb right now. <clears throat> all right. Will you Help use me this out, one right, right here? Right here, Greg. It doesn't look too strong. Uh, you may fall down. Don't ah, worry about me. I'll be okay, boy. Everything's all set. Huh? I'm go out on the limb. Yeah, and you're sure you'll be all right. Okay. You're safe. Oh. Are you still out there? I wasn't going to say anything that was important anyway. No. Well, I don't believe I was going to say something about the Red Sox and the Braves, but... After that limb went on me like that, I don't think I will. Yeah. Mary, won't you wake up here, please? <laughs> Nobody sleeps. Mary? Yes, Mom? Now, don't you have something instructive for this afternoon? Yes, I have. Lentil soup. <laughs> well, that's the matter, Bob. Nothing you've sort of caught me unaware. Yes, there's nothing like a little lentil soup. No, I guess there isn't. Because you can't stand too much of it. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> But if you like lentils and you're a soup fan, uh-huh. then believe me, you'll go for lentil soup. And for fun and lentil soup, tune in and play ball. Yeah. Now, uh, how do you go about uh, preparing this delicious? Well, you scrape up a lot of lentils, mm-hmm. put them into a... Uh, you, do you grow lentils? It depends on the size of your family, Bob. Yeah. And just pour in the water and let it come to a boil. Mm-hmm. Not much to it, huh? Not a thing to it. Makes a, <laughs> makes a good uh, a It makes a good stuff. hearty meal uh-huh. for growing boys. Well, yeah. that's, that's what I need. Yeah. And uh, the boys who aren't growing, it's pretty good, too. <laughs> it won't stop them, in other words. No, it won't. Uh-huh. Not like smoking. And you'd, uh, you'd recommend maybe crackers and peanut butter? Excuse me, along with camels. Did she say something? Yes, she did, sir. She was mentioning that uh, the soup won't uh, stunt people's growth like smoking will. Uh-huh. And her name is spelled uh-huh. M-C-G-O-O-N. Thank you. That's all I wanted to know. I wonder who that was. Hey, I don't know. You know, Ray? He looks like an attorney. Yeah, he did look kind of... He said he was from... What did he say? Yeah, look out the window. He's riding away on one. Yeah. Wow. Uh-oh. He doesn't have to walk a mile for that one. Uh-uh. Well, I guess that fixes my wagon for a while. I guess it does. Well, too bad, because I was going long good. I think you may be in a little bit of difficulty. Well, it's too bad, Mary. You have our sympathy. Yeah. Doesn't she, Bob? She has our sympathy. Mm-hmm. So long, Mary. Bye, Mary. I'm pretty scared about all this. Well, don't worry about it. Things will turn out. They usually do, don't they, Bob? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Have you played two songs yet? Yes, I... No, I haven't. Oh. No, I haven't played one today. Do you want to play the melodeon? Yes, I think I'd love to play All the right. melodeon. I haven't played it. Well, you push it over here for me, yeah. Bob. Right over here. Right here. All right. Now, you've, you've got your music. Beloved ballad, I love you truly. You're going to play I love you truly? Yes. That's one of your favorite request songs. And here she is at the melodeon. Get the tremolo over
over there. Yeah, right. Smoking up again. Yeah. Look at the smoke on Santa. Must have been a short search. There must have been something wrong with something that. Something went wrong with my melodeon. Well, ever since I had that generator put in, you know, I used to play it uh, with wind. Yeah. <laughs> and now you... Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wilson is jealous. He says you use sails, but you don't. Mr. Wilson uh, has the musical education that I don't have. Yes, Certainly for him to laugh at me is not proper. No, it isn't. Because if I pr had his opportunity, That's right. I'd probably be the biggest organist player in the world. Sure, you'd probably be up at some other radio station. Well, I could probably be playing organ stings for some uh, soap opera. Either that or down at Boston Garden or someplace. Something like that. So, well, Mr. Wilson, to you, sir. Well, I guess you may find a little brush off there, cold shoulder. Let's let Mr. Wilson play, huh? Right. And Mr. Green, too, of course. Oh, that's adding that's also it. Thank you, man. Good time, boy. Stay tuned for Lights Out next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Lights Out and a show that was first aired in 1943. Arch Obler's Lights Out, everybody. Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you, these Lights Out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. November of 1939. Astronomically, that isn't even a blink in the eye of the universe, but... It's a very long time measured in the length of our own very ephemeral lives. On that day, I aired our next story. Remember that date, 1939. A lot of heartbeats before we went to war against the madness of Adolf Hitler and his friend Benito. Listen to Davisphere. is very quiet. Yes, Your Excellency. Will it be very quiet under the water? No motion, Your Excellency. And so it'll all be very amusing. I hope so, sir. The captain ought to have everything ready by now, sir. If you'll excuse me now, Your Excellency, I'll find a seat. No, no, just a moment, Doctor. Yes, Your Excellency. I'm much too impatient, my dear young friend. One of the great joys of an experience is to savor it before it happens. Yes, stay and talk to me. As you say, Your Excellency. How far under will we have to go to break the record? Over half a mile. Mm-hmm. How far's the bottom? Just over the record mark. Deeper than any man's ever gone. It'll all be very amusing. Suddenly the wind's changed. Always at this hour of the day, Your Excellency. It's time to go. I assure you that the sea will wait for us. But I am the thought that... Don't think so much, my young friend. Thinking is an unnecessary pastime. The emotions are much more dependable. My thoughts tell me that this little excursion under the sea will be quite precarious. On the other hand, my emotions tell me that it will be most interesting and amusing. Your Excellency, we are ready. Oh, Captain, you too are impatient, huh? I, I don't know what you mean. That is to say... No, no, don't splutter. 
Now, come ahead, my young and impatient friend. They'll go aboard your diving bell and begin our little adventure. Come. Attention. You see, Your Excellency, we are quite ready. Well, Doctor, is everything to your satisfaction? Did you put in an extra oxygen tank, Captain? Yes, sir. Everything just as you said, Doctor. The telephone communication been tested? Twenty times. Third flight? I assure you everything has been tested, Doctor. The winds go smoothly now? Why, oh, yes, I believe... I don't want you to believe. I want you to know. But I assure you. Go and test it at once. Yes, Doctor. At once, Doctor. All right, then. Test number one. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye. Test number one. Over it. Over there. Well, your thoroughness is most commendable, Doctor. We are going half a mile below the sea, sir. Nothing can be left to chance. The pressures down there are almost beyond imagination. Yes, I know, I know. Particularly on this dive, everything must be protection. You mean the record? I mean, Your Excellency, that your life is precious to the state. Yes. The press of the world has known me only as a record breaker in the world of what they so quaintly term power politics. By nightfall, they'll herald me as a record breaker in the world, world of science, eh, Doctor? If all goes well, Your Excellency. Yes. You have doubts? No one can predict the ways of the sea. What are you talking about? You'll be quite apart from the sea inside of the steel ball, this, this part of sphere. Oxygen to breathe, telephone with which to communicate, light with which to see. Why should there be any question? Question of the human factor, Your Excellency. <laughs> You're as cautious as they said. I like that. I, too, am a cautious man. Oh, yes, indeed. My success has been based upon determining that the unpredictable cannot occur before I... Until I say embark upon my bold adventure. I'm talking quite frankly with you, eh, Doctor? Well, it pleases me to do so. For a few hours, we'll be locked up in that steel ball... There's no reason you shouldn't know a little about your leader, is there? You honor me, sir. For example, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt the steel cable which will drop us down beneath the ocean has strength enough to hold 50 such steel spheres as the one we'll be in. I know, too, that you have made, let me think, you've made 30 such defense towards the floor of the ocean without the slightest misadventure. The men on this cruise are there specially trained for the work. And with my life in their hands, I'm sure they'll be particularly careful on this descent. Eh, hey, Doctor? There is no doubt of it, sir. Already now, sir. Shall we go now, Your Excellency? Of course, of course. Careful, Your Excellency. The deck is quite wet here. Well, thank you, Captain. Very thought, sir. Thank you, sir. Attention! No, no, no formalities. Let the men go about their business so we can get started. Yes, Your Excellency. At your work, man. Would you like to get into the bathroom first, Your Excellency? No, no, after you. Quite a small doorway, isn't it? How fortunate we're both small, lean men, Doctor. Lean men. Caesar once said something about that sort, didn't he? I don't know much about that sort of thing, sir. No, I didn't imagine, sir. Get in, Doctor. I'll follow you. Yes, sir. Head first into the steel wall. Quite without dignity, eh, Captain? Shall I help you, sir? No, no, I'll make it all right. You ready for me, Doctor? Come ahead, sir. And be careful of the bolt end, sir. Careful. You're all right, sir? Yes, yes, of course I am. Well, what are we waiting for? Captain. Aye, sir. Close her up. Aye, sir. Your ears. Cover your ears, sir. Huh? 
The bolts and wing bolts that hold the door shut, they have to be tightened by hammering with a sledge. Come your ears, sir. Now, so they, they've done. But what an infernal din. Open right the other way. Hammering is the only definite guarantee of a watertight seal, sir. My ears. All well in there, sir? What's that? A voice for the telephone, sir. They'll communicate with us from the deck every three minutes. If one of us doesn't answer within half a minute, the orders are to pull us up. An excellent safety precaution. Yes, indeed. All well in there, doctor? All well. We're moving. Yes. Lifting us out to the end of the boom, and then down we go. Look, sir, you can see the deck down there through the windows. Glass and clear. Clearest in the world. Quartz glass to stand the pressure. Letting us down in the water, aren't they? Yes, sir, in a moment. We're under. Yes, I, I turn the oxygen higher. The light. So green. Yes. Soon it will be blue. Then a darker blue until at around 2,000 feet we'll be in a darkness that goes beyond dark. Complete eternal night. Eternal night under the water. How amusing. down, are we? About 1,100 feet. It's hard to believe it. There was almost a quarter of a mile of water crushing down upon us. The word crushing is most inappropriate at this time, my young friend. My apologies, Your Excellency. I've been watching the water. You said it would be at night. If it isn't black, it's... It's blue. Strangest blue. A few more hundred feet and the... There will be no more color in the water, sir. The light out there. What? I can't quite make it out, sir. Perhaps some sort of a luminous plankton. <laughs> it's amusing. The fish is carrying along their own electric plants. The dark's alive with them, sir. Oh, look, sir. What? That small flat fish. You see? Even his teeth gleam with this luminous mucus. I've caught that sort in the trawls. They can eat organisms as large as they are. Wait, I'll, I'll turn on the searchlight and you'll see. No, 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 never mind. I didn't come under the sea out of any interest in those bits of fish. As you say, sir. They'll light up like a train in the dark. Or would the portholes of a boat be a more appropriate figure of speech? Well, seen one, seen them all. All well down there, sir? All well. How far down now? Ask him. How far? 1,350 feet. Right. You make good time, huh? Yes, sir. They lower us very quickly, sir. 
A six-foot ball containing a very honest young man and the leader of the state. Headed for... What should we say, Doctor? A new record, sir. Is that as far as your imagination carries you? At the moment, I cannot say, Your Excellency. Now, perhaps when we reach the end of the cable, we'll discuss life and death very profoundly, eh, my friend? Philosophy under the sea. <laughs> out there now that's darker than any night that man has ever seen. It's amusing. something, Doctor? What? To say, sir, your excellency. Excellency? Here, at the bottom of the sea? What? What's happened to you? 
all of a sudden you... Well, the excitement of creating a new record a little too much for you, eh, my young friend? Well, it's understandable. Now, seeing the ship in heaven draws up, your little adventure is over. Did you hear me? I said signal the ship. How? You're out of your mind completely. Telephone them. At once, you hear me? A telephone consists of a carbon transmitter, receiver, actuating battery, and connecting wire. We have no telephone. Get to one side. Hello. Hello out there. Hello. Hello, answer me. Hello. Hello, blast you, answer me. Hello. But they don't... Uh, the wire's torn loose. Would you know how to fix it, Your Excellency? Huh? I see it. It happened when we bumped on the bottom, didn't it? Well, can't you fix it? I can, but I won't, Your Excellency. What is this? It's taken you a great number of moments longer than I expected to ask that question. You notice that I've called you Your Excellency a couple of times, but that was the end of that. From now on, I will call you Your Infernal Excellency. How amusing. Still amusing. Yes. I don't believe it. You think it's some kind of madness on my part, that you'll do something about it. Not I, you. I? You have an emergency way of signaling. Yes, I know you have. You flash the searchlight on and off three times, and the flow of current registers up on deck, and they know that it's an emergency. I'll go ahead and do it, and perhaps I'll forget your little... Shall we call it... joke? I am quite content to stay down here. Turn on the searchlight. All right, I'll do it myself. Why waste your time? You've so little of it left. What do you mean by that? The searchlight, too, is disconnected. Why? There's no need of it. It will be best to die in the dark. Die? Yes. This is impossible. I investigated you, your record, your family, your associates. Clearest record in the state. You have no reason or the will to kill me. Kill me? I'm fairly funny. A young, empty-headed fool killed me. <laughs> That's very amusing. You'll be afraid soon. Is it possible that you've forgotten the final emergency signal, you fool? Yes, I said signal. The signal of silence. I'll try to telephone the schedule, and when we learn our answer, they'll pull us up. Have you forgotten that? It's been more than three minutes since the last signal. If what you say is true, why aren't we moving? We... We are. For all I know, we... We are. Are we? The darkness, who can tell if there's enough for motion? You know we're motionless. As quiet as in a tomb. Appropriate, then. And we'll stay here. I know that. Huh? That leave up on the roof that I pulled. Well... It's through the end of steel cable, free. Yes, sever the cord between ourselves and the ship and the world. No. We are here, Your Infernal Excellency. Down here to stay. No. You lie. I don't believe you. They'll pull us up. The telephone, here. Here, you up there, listen. Get me up. Get me up. You up there, hear me. It's your leader. 
Get me out of here. Get me out of here. You hear me? Get me out of here. Out of here. Oxygen left for another hour, and it takes you ten precious minutes of your precious life to believe. You do believe you're going to die now, don't you? Uh, I'm sure nothing could happen. Every detail of the machinery, the record of every member of the crew. And I was one of those who was perfectly harmless. Yes, your past. Since a boy trained in the schools of the state... Your father an official. Why do you do this to me? Why? Your ego is so great that even now, knowing you're going to die here with me, you're less concerned with death than you are with knowing wherein you fail. Answer me, why do you do this? You were trained in my schools, brought up to think the way you should think. Who up there made you do this thing and why? It will be a slow death. As slow as the death of my country. Answer me, who and why? Your mouth will bite for air. And there won't be enough to let you live, and yet there'll be enough so that you won't quite die. You'll tell me you will. Your lungs will reach up through your mouth. A breath of air, just another. There won't be another. And as you die, you'll know it. I want to know one thing. Why do you do this? Why, why, why? Yes, I'll give you your whys. You trained me in your school. And from morning to night, what went into my head was only what you decreed was right and proper for a good citizen of your eternal state to know. Yes, you crammed my head full. But there's one place you and your books and your speeches couldn't reach. My heart. Your heart? Yes, heart. You heard me, heart. My head said believe. My heart said no. My head said obey. My heart said no. That's where you made your mistake, you devil. You didn't start in young enough with me. For the heart that was born inside of me has brought you here to die. Die. I don't understand. Wait, I, I'll turn a little more oxygen on. That'll give me a little more strength to keep on telling you your fires and cut the breath left for you after I'm finished. What was I saying? Yes, that you didn't condition me quite well enough. Should have started with the embryo, for somewhere along the line a little humanity got inside of me that cried out against what you were doing. It grew and grew until it said you had to die. And you will die. Yes, here in the black under the sea. And they won't roll drums for you, march for you. Ended here. What have you to say to that? You fool. Fool? Is that all you answer? Yes, fool. You think I'm a fool to die here with you? You call me a fool when I know that ending here I give a new beginning to those up there. Yes, such a fool. Well, stop saying that. They won't say it back in the cities when they know that they're free. You fool. You think the freeing them of me will make them free? Yes, yes, of course it will. I call you fool again. How do you think I became the head of the state? Through my great wisdom? I'm really not so wise. Through my great courage? No man has courage of that sort to stand up single-handed against the bullets and the bayonets of the entrenched powers. And how? How did I do it? With lies and ruthlessness and cruelty, I know. You don't know a thing. You saw the end results surrounded by pomp and circumstance and you couldn't see the means. All right, I know I'm going to die. A man is expected to die as long as I have. The actuality isn't quite as frightening as you might think. Since I am going to die, I'll have the one small satisfaction of showing you that you're an empty-headed fool. Stop saying that! Oh, you too have an ego. Apparently it's lived for weeks on how you'd make me plead and beg and squirm down on my knees. I had a few moments of hysteria, didn't I? You like that. You don't like this. 
My sitting in the dark so calmly, telling you that you're a fool? I haven't failed. You're here. You failed because of your killing me and yourself to give them back their freedom, whatever that word means. You're dying quite in vain. You're saying that because you think... No, don't talk. Listen to me. I'll tell you where you failed. I came into power not alone through my own strength, but because the conditions of our country were such that other men sitting on their wealth came to a decision that I alone could keep them there. But it was you... I tell you, listen... When an ancient rule of privilege is threatened, it seeks to live no matter what the cost. The cost of them was me, and they found me worth it. For I threw to the mass none of the wealth that worked to build, but only fighting phrases of prejudice and hate to cost the men who made me nothing but the rent of the halls for the simple to hear my opiates. And so I call you fool. Fool to die and fool to kill me. Well, the conditions that made me will still exist when I'm dead. You free them of me. But what of hunger? What of ruthless exploitation? These will still be free up there to put hate and desperation into men. And so the ones who gave me power will find a new leader to stop the Romney's rebellion with all the tricks that I taught them. A new leader. You hear me, fool, a new leader. No, it isn't true. It can't be true. It's so dark. If I could see your face to see the fool discovering he's a fool. They will be free. They will, they will. What magic do you think will come into the air when I'm dead? Your men forget that greed and say, Oh, we've quite enough. That's enough for everyone. Let each share according to his needs. No fool. With me or without me, the game will be played just as it always has been played. So you're a fool and die like one. I, well, what could I have done? I had to do something. I'll tell you what you could have done. You could have done the one thing that would have in time helped destroy not only me, but those who made me. You could have gone to the people. Huh? Yes, walked among them, worked among them. And at every chance whispered to them the things I kept from them. A noose would have been around your neck every time you opened up your mouth. And yet, in that talking of liberty and freedom and common decency and all the rest of that sort of thing, there's been far more meaning in this futile murdering of me. I've had them hunted down and shot each of those who dared to whisper among the people. But as they died, I didn't call them fools. Because I knew that they were wise. Not only through the will to live and do of the great bludgeoning mass of their people was their hope of making that new world they wanted. Oh, why have I bothered talking? Yes, Vicar. I'm tired. Hand me something heavy, fool. Why? 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 More explanations? All right, the last one. You think I'm going to sit here and wait and count my every breath until the dark's crawling with horrors and I'm craw... No. I'll end it now, quickly. Here's faster than a bullet shot. Give me something heavy, I tell you. I'll smash the glass. The water, tons of it, smashing in. I'll be dead, 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 faster than the thought and never ended. Give me something to smash the glass or I'll... All well down there, sir? Voice. Telephone. 
all well. Take us up. We're moving. There's water on the glass. We're moving. Doctor, the cable. I lied. But all this time, why? My orders to the crew were to leave us alone on the bottom as soon as the slackening of the wire showed them we'd hit the bottom. Telephone. I reconnected it. I just talked. Then, you didn't really mean to kill me. Kill you? Yes, I meant to kill you. I had it all planned out. Tell you what I told you, and then you'd go quite crazy with fear. And after that, I'd kill you. 2,900 feet. All well down there, sir? All well. And yet you didn't. The lights of the creatures out there. Blinking of stars on a cold night. Why didn't you kill me? I want to know. What would have been the good of it? A fool and a figurehead die together. No good of it. So you believed me. Even a fool can understand futility. Water's getting lighter. Soon we'll be back. Up there. It'll be very strange at first. I don't much care now, yet I'll ask. What happens to me? You? I told you many things down there, didn't I? Yes, too many things. A man, in doubt as I was, talks too much. And since you of necessity heard what I said, when we get there, I will probably have you shot. The victim sentences his murderer. It will be most amusing. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a new show called The Big Show with Tallulah Bankhead as Master of Ceremonies, welcoming guests Jack Carson and Jimmy Durante, followed by Sherlock Holmes. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.